3CR would like to acknowledge the Kulin Nations, true owners, caretakers, and custodians of the land from which we broadcast. 3CR pays respect to elders past and present of the Kulin Nation, and we recognize their unceded sovereignty. This is 3CR Breakfast. Alternative news, analysis, and current affairs. Monday to Friday, 7am to 8.30am. Good morning, everyone. You are listening to 3CR Community Radio, and this is Wednesday Breakfast, uh, as you may recognise from that sting. I'm Will, and no one else is here in the studio, actually. Um, I'd usually wait for Idwin or Dean to introduce themselves, but... um. Neither of them could be here today, which is a bit of a shame, but they're here in spirit because they've organised a whole lot of really great guests for us, um, and I'll tell you about them in just a second. Um, I was at the um, uh, rally in solidarity with Muslims in um, the outside the State Library here in Naram, Biraranga, Melbourne, um, and that happened yesterday afternoon. It started around 5.30, and it was, uh, it was really heartening on the one hand seeing so many people out um i think the um organizers calf that's the campaign against um racism and fascism um they estimated around 1500 2000 people um it felt like a lot of people i couldn't see um the back of the crowd so um a lot of people turned up and uh it was just you know Really heartening seeing the community come out um, in support of Muslims, especially in a time of such great Islamophobia. Um, and in the this is actually uh, it's worth saying that the the rally was in response to both the fallout from and also the instance of the murder of 50 Muslims as they um, knelt to pray on Friday, last Friday. That was in Christchurch, um, which you would have definitely heard about because it's um, all over the news. I'm really, yeah, I've just, there's so much coverage, it's unavoidable, so um, if you didn't want to hear about, hear more about that today, I'm sorry, a lot of the um, the reportage that we have today um, I, I, are recordings that I took at the rally the other day, so that's something to, um, to watch out for. I, I will announce ahead of time, um, if you don't think you can listen to more coverage um, of of the story surrounding the 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 massacre really that happened last Friday. Um, um, otherwise, we do have other, other stories coming up. Um, so we're going to be speaking to Bob Phelps from Gene Ethics. Gene Ethics is an organisation that's putting together a school pack to educate children about um, genetically modified foods, and in particular, um, how you can have GM-free school materials. Um, I, I'm going to have a bit of a chat about that. Um, I, very interesting conversation coming up, um, especially because there's so much pro-GM stuff in the water at the moment, and so it would be good to hear um, an, a descending voice. Um, we're also going to be speaking to Shannon. Shannon's coming into the studio, um, and Shannon is walking, so you know, from Coburg um, here in Wurundjeri country all the way up to um, Ngunnawal country in so-called Canberra. Um, and so he's walking for climate. He's walking to... Uh, spread the message that this is an emergency and we need to do something about it. And um, I'll be really interested to hear about what made Shannon decide to walk, um, 
why walk so far and um and what what that's going to be like and um we'll uh hopefully keep tabs on him as he as he makes his walk uh in April I think it is yeah just next month um and that's at 7:45 then at 8 o'clock I'm going to be speaking to Pat from Friends of the Earth about a community forum um that Friends of the Earth has put on and um like I said throughout the show that we're going to be hearing from speakers at the Muslim Solidarity Rally um and uh yeah i hope you hope you enjoy the show today it's going to be just me so if you get tired of hearing my voice don't worry i'm also going to be playing lots of music um i've got some really great musical finds that um i'm i'm really excited about some of them um uh you may never have heard of but it turns out they're really really mainstream overseas like i was listening to alex anwanter who's like a um i'm not even sure if i said his name right but he's a chilean kind of post disco kind of electronica musician really queer really great um music but at the same time i i mentioned this to uh, to to a friend from brazil and she's like yeah no everyone knows about him what are you talking about and i was like what i'm the only one of my friends who knows about this person so um it just goes to show how how even with the internet our um or at least my um media consumption is still kind of bubbly bubble-ish um, and so, yeah, just look forward to, to hearing some really great musicians that maybe you haven't heard of, or maybe you have if you are from South America. Ha. Huh. Um, the time right now is 7.05. We'll be right back with Alternative News. Some folks know about it, some don't. Some will learn to shout it, some won't. But sooner or later, baby, here's a ditty. Say you're gonna have to get right down to the real nitty-gritty. Let's get right down. And you are listening to 3CR Wednesday Breakfast. It is me again, Will, here in the studio. Uh, I was speaking to some folks from Jews Against Fascism at the rally yesterday, but this is actually a fundraiser by the Australian Jewish Democratic Society. Just wanted to put this out there. There's going to be a fun party for their Purim fundraiser party. Um, so that's going to be tomorrow night at Bar 303. Happens at 8 o'clock, and all of the funds go toward uh funding the great work that um that the australian jewish democratic society do um and i know that they're sharing their funds as well um with another organization let me just find the information here um yeah the proceeds are also going to the dahlia association um and dahlia is a palestinian organization based in bethlehem who advocate for and promote justice and palestinian autonomy so that sounds like another great um a great thing to get along to that's tomorrow night um and so you may as well um it's $10 entry or $15 entry um and they've put in brackets that no one will be turned away for lack of funds so yeah if you're you're part of the um 
the Jewish community, if you're a part of the community in Northcote, if you're um, just someone who really appreciates the work, as I do, that um, the Australian Jewish Democratic Society do, then, yeah, turn up. It's tomorrow from 8 p.m., sorry, uh, and that's at Bar 303, which is on High Street in Northcote. Um, yeah, now I did have something else to say um, for today's... Aha! Yes, here we go. Um, lovely Judith, who is now um, a stalwart on Monday breakfast, um, but used to be part of our team here on Wednesday, um, has uh, reminded me that um, the window for submissions is rapidly closing. In fact, it's closing... I believe today, um, and that was for um, people to submit their concerns about the Norwegian company Equinor's environmental plan and proposals to explore for oil and the Great Australian Bite. Now, um, we've had people on the show in the past to speak about the importance of the Great Australian Bite. I believe it was the Australian Conservation Foundation. Uh, was it Ben? I'm not sure. But anyway... Um, came on the show um, a couple of uh, weeks ago, more than a couple of weeks ago, um, to talk about the the beauty of uh, marine life in the Great Australian Bight, to talk about um, how it's a, a nursery for all sorts of whales, and it's um, even though that we don't have huge cities on the Australian Bight, um, so there's um, you know less human eye on on the region. It's really important for biodiversity, both marine and um, in the coastal region. Um, and yeah, this company Equinor is thinking of maybe drilling for for um, for oil, which is um, really troubling to people who care about the environment. So um, today is the last day for people to, to submit their concerns. Um, and if you are concerned, then you can head to www wilderness.org.au and um, just go to the search function and look for Equinor, which is E-Q-U-I-N-O-R, Equinor, and um, you'll be able to find a link to how to make a submission yourself um, to say that you care about the environment, if that's something that you, if you do care about. Um, now, I'm going to stop jabbering because it is time to move on to some of that coverage that I was talking about earlier of the um, rally in support of the Muslim community um, in so-called Australia and also Aotearoa. Um, and so uh, this first clip that I'm going to play is by a person who is identified as Abby. Um, Abby is a Palestinian who spoke on the stage um, yesterday afternoon, um, was identified as a student at RMIT um, and who came to Australia from Palestine in 2006, or, uh, as a, who is a Palestinian who came to Australia in 2006, I'm sorry. Um, Abby gave a really short speech about the impact that the, um, the massacres and also the massacre on Friday, but also the ongoing racist atmosphere and Islamophobia has had on them and also their community. So let's listen into what Abby has to say. As a Muslim Palestinian who was born and raised uh, overseas, and my family has chosen to come to Australia to settle here, just like some of the people that passed away or were killed viciously in that attack, I want to say that I'm hurt, I'm broken, there's nothing that can bring me back to reality. 
I cannot believe what happened, but at the same time, I saw it coming because of all of the things that the politicians were saying. It hurts because as a, pol- as a Palestinian, you're not recognized as a refugee all over the world. You're not given that status. And therefore, you come to a country like Australia because you want that safetyness that you are not able to find anywhere else in the world. You try so hard to integrate into the Australian culture. You learn the language. You learn the culture. You, you do everything you can do. And then now, you're not able to go to your mosque. You're not able to pray in peace. While I'll be in the mosque, I'll be looking around to check if I am safe. This is what that terrorist has done to me. There is nothing in the world that can take that pain away from me. But we will not let him win. I have been overwhelmed with the love that I've seen over the past few days. At work, at university, my friends, everybody. The messages, them coming to see me, everything that they have done. My message here today is that we will never stop going to our mosques. We will never do that. We will never let that terrorist tear us apart. We will never let him stop us loving each other. And we should all stand up here again and say, we will not let any, any politician tear us apart again. Thank you. And that was Abby speaking yesterday at the rally in solidarity with Muslims. Um, and uh, so we, we should also hear from Mohammed Halmi, who's a uh, chairman at the uh, Islamic Council of Victoria, who also spoke yesterday and had, um, had something to say about the complicity of politicians and the mainstream media in what happened on Friday. So let's listen in. Assalamu alaikum, everybody. What a beautiful gathering today. Thank you very much all for coming, even though it's a sad occasion. Um, I've been given the opportunity to speak today, and I, um, I'll share some thoughts with you. Number one, I guess, is that, as we all know, 50 people have been mercilessly killed and more critically injured over, uh, during the Friday prayers last week. As many of you would know, that Friday prayers is a weekly ritual that Muslims uh, do every week. So the perpetrator in this case knew exactly what they were doing. They, he, they, he timed himself and he knew exactly that these people are going to be defenseless and they were an easy target. The, he killed them in cold blood. We, from, this, from here, from Melbourne, we send our condolences, our prayers, solidarity and thoughts with the families of the people who passed and with the injured. Secondly, the Australian Muslim community, the Victorian Muslim community are absolutely horrified and shocked with what happened. And particularly that one of the perpetrators 
the main perpetrator was Australian. And that hurts, and that's close to home. On, on the positive side, on the positive side, the Islamic community and the Islamic Council of Victoria has received so much love, so much solidarity. And over the last 48 hours, I have never, ever seen anything like it before. For those who attended, for those who attended the open mosque, the open mosque yesterday, 22 mosques across Melbourne opened the doors and welcomed people. And literally, tens of thousands of people attended the mosques. I, I, visited, I visited three mosques. I could not enter through the door from the numbers of people in it. Thirdly, and despite what the Australian media um, wants to call what happened, and despite what some people in our government wants to call it, what happened in New Zealand was a terrorist attack. And the murderers are terrorists, even though they are white. Some described what happened as unprecedented. And indeed it is unprecedented in magnitude, but it is not unprecedented in ideology. Muslims, and particularly Muslim women, suffer every day from hatred, racism, and vilification in public spaces and on our public transport systems. And you only need to speak to one of them to know that. One, one fr a friend of mine, she reported on the next day, she took a train on Saturday morning here in Melbourne, here in Melbourne, and she put that on her Facebook page. As she walked off the train, somebody put, gestured a gun at her as she walked off the train. On the next day, on the next day after what happened, Fraser Anning, Fraser Anning, released a statement that you would have all seen by now, most popular, essentially justifying the terrorist attack in New Zealand. He said, what it, and I quote, what it highlights is the growing fear within our community, both in Australia and New Zealand, of the increasing Muslim presence. This, my brothers and sisters, is hate. This is ignorance. This is lack of humanity. That is what Muslims deal with on a daily basis. People like Anning sit on our parliament with his far-right-wing friends and legislate for us. Politicians and media must realize that evil acts don't happen in a vacuum. Relentless Islamophobic rhetoric fear-mongering against the Muslims, often by those in public domain, give permission for this to happen. They give the license for this to happen. Hate rhetoric kills people because it dehumanizes them. But Anning is not the only one. A few months ago, Pauline Hansen said, and I quote again, that Muslims are a virus that we should vaccinate against. The people... Next, standing next to you now, she called them a virus that we need to vaccinate against. That, that is a license to kill. 
and we need to make, to hold our politicians to account that they don't give license to kill the, our parliament. There is no place in our parliament for people like Fraser Anning and Pauline Hansen. There is no place and a line needs to be drawn. And as Adam just said before, that this is the beginning of the end of this kind of hate speech in our parliament. Finally, I'd like to say that for, for the first time in history that I know of, the Islamic Council of Victoria has yesterday launched a petition. And the petition has actually been linked and supported by the one and a half million petition calling for um, Fraser Anning to get to, to be kicked off Parliament. That, so, so, so the ICV, in collaboration with that with that particular um, uh, petition, are calling for a code of conduct in our Parliament, so we can hold politicians accountable for what they say and for the for the consequences of what they say. So I ask you, please to go to change.org and I want at least 1,000 more signatures today before we go home. Okay? Thank you very much. And that was Mohammed Halmi from the Islamic Council of Victoria speaking at yesterday's Muslim Solidarity Rally. Uh, the time right now is 7.25. You're listening to Wednesday Breakfast on 3CR Community Radio. We'll have an interview soon, but right now this is Venus by Peter Peter. Are you 18 years and over? Have you been stopped by a Victorian police officer or protective service officer in the last 10 years? Would you like to contribute to research that aims to inform law reform and litigation strategies to prevent over-policing? Go to policestopsurvey.online for more information and to take part. That's policestopsurvey.online, a 3CR supporter. Hi, I'm Rod Quantock and you're listening to Fill in the Dots, you know who you're listening to Why do I have to tell you who you're listening to? You know who you're listening to You're listening to, yes, Fill in the Dots 3CR Community Radio, you got it right, you've won a giraffe. Uh, we're at 8.55am, we're on digital radio and streaming at 3cr.org.au. 3CR has been making trouble since 1976 and occasionally I've been part of the trouble that's been made. It's a vital part of our uh, media landscape and I'd encourage you to get a hacksaw, an oxyacetylene torch and go up to the Dandenongs and, and bring down all those broadcast towers that aren't 3CR's towers and let's make 3CR the only source of information to an information-starved, dumbed-down Australian community. Written, authorised and spoken by Neil Mitchell. Thank you for that, Rob Quantock. I, I won't say don't do what he said. Um, yeah, I won't say don't do what he said. Hmm. You're listening to Wednesday Breakfast here on 3CR Community Radio. The time right now is just past 730 um, and on the line, I have Bob Phelps from Gene Ethics uh, to talk about a plan for a GM-free school kit. Bob, are you there? Yes, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for joining us on Wednesday Breakfast. Um, 
So can uh, can we talk about this uh, this school kit? It's a work in progress, is what I hear. Oh yes, it is indeed. Um, of course, it is um, uh, a new kit, but um, it follows, of course, the uh, kit that we did in the 1990s when genetic engineering first came on the scene. We did school kits which went out very very widely to high schools and was widely used. Predated, of course. Uh, the online tools that we have today. So we're updating the Troubled Helix. Uh, the Troubled Helix um, was a success then and we hope will be a success now. But it'll be um, very contemporary and trying to uh, start balancing the story about the new CRISPR techniques, the new genetic engineering techniques that can be used really to change any human being, animal, plant or microorganism in the living universe and make them into uh, industrial materials. So uh, it's a new game and we need to uh, have students with a balanced view about this new science and its many applications. Now, of course, you've been campaigning on the on the troubling nature of genetic modification um, in food and plants and now it sounds like people for, for many years. And I was just wondering how... Um, you might be planning to, through this kit, engage uh, young people in in the message of really questioning the, the onward march of the science. Well, that's going to be very much in part the, um, the decision of young people themselves about exactly what sort of material is needed. And, of course, teachers and curriculum developers as well who have got special skills that are needed to uh, say how uh, the great enthusiasm that the scientists have can be balanced with a real discussion in our educational institutions about the uh, social, the moral, the economic and other issues that are raised by um, these kinds of new genetic engineering techniques. We have, for instance, in November last year, the first genetically engineered children born. Uh, there had been a, a global uh, consensus that... Uh, the new CRISPR techniques wouldn't be used to create human beings that would uh, be altered in ways that could be passed on to future generations. But now it's been done. There are two kids out there who had their genes changed in what seemed like rather a mild way, but now uh, researchers are discovering that that gene does a lot more than was thought. And um, the, there is a uh, a debate going on within the scientific community, but the public needs to engage as well with just how are new genetic engineering techniques going to be used uh, with really yeah. every living thing can be made to uh, do what human beings want. And that is a very um, stark new capacity that needs to be talked about before it is commercialised because, of course, most companies and many establishment scientists are now running furiously to be the first and to make the big bucks that can be made out of this technology. And we've already had some firsts, as you said, two children who had their genes modified. Uh, how, how did this happen? Who allowed this to happen? It doesn't sound like it should be allowed to happen, but can you, can you give us a context about how, what facilitated that? Well, uh, it was really a team of... Um, of researchers deciding, well, um, we'll just amend this gene which uh, will confer resistance to HIV um, 
on these children, but now uh, further research has found that this same gene is intimately implicated in animals at least, uh, in uh, various kinds of other capacities, the intelligence and um, other capacities of laboratory animals, especially where it's also now been genetically manipulated to find out just was it as specific as um, as the original researchers thought, and um, you know the the um, the plans for using um, the new CRISPR genetic engineering techniques reach to insects, microorganisms, uh, animals, and crop plants. Uh, really, right across the board, we don't know yet exactly what research is being done since this new technique was invented only five years ago. But laboratories around the world are using these new GWIS tools really to try anything and everything that you could imagine. And this is why there needs to be a thoroughgoing debate and discussion about what the legitimate uses of such a powerful new tool might be. Because literally every living thing uh, can be um, amended uh, can be genetically manipulated and uh, we need to ask why and for what purpose such work should be done. Mm. Now, I just want to ask, um, just to make it clear to our listeners, that that wasn't in Australia that those two genetically modified children were essentially edited. Um, where, where was this and what kind of processes took place in that um, that country that allowed this to happen? China, which is now, um, it's hard to say what's happened exactly, but um, since the kids were born, they're now under the um, care of the um, health authorities in China. The lead researcher for his part had been working in the United States, and some US scientists appear to have been involved in the creation of these babies. Um, and uh, he has uh, been stripped of his uh, positions at the university where he worked and uh, is in some kind of detention. Uh, the story is still unclear, uh, except that we do know that the kids were created. And um, this raises just stark questions about the new CRISPR technologies and what they'll legitimately be used for. Uh, you know, there are proposals, for instance, to uh, resurrect extinct animals this sounds like a very good idea, but things like the mammoth went extinct because their environment disappeared um, many centuries ago. Uh, it's sort of like resurrecting the dodo, you could say. Mm. So there are people working on that kind of thing. There are people saying we could we could actually use this technology to make troublesome uh, organisms like mosquitoes, for instance, extinct. Uh, to prevent malaria, but the malaria mosquito is very much linked into the web of life so that uh, many varieties of fish and other um, particularly aquatic organisms are very dependent on uh, the um, uh, mosquito larvae in water uh, for their food source. So we need to think very, very carefully about the health implications, the environmental impacts, as well as the social and ethical and economic impacts of using this technology. And at the moment, we've got um, 
regulators around the world considering whether or not they will regulate uh, these technologies and their use. We have, for instance, bringing it back to Australia, at the moment a proposal for the deregulation of uh, a whole category of these new genetic manipulation techniques uh, before the game even starts, our national regulator has recommended to the federal and state governments that they deregulate, that they not be involved in regulating at all many of the CRISPR techniques. And this is just uh, taking the our referee, the person who's supposed to regulate on our behalf, uh, off the playing field before the game even starts. Mm. Now I want to return to the um, to the the education kit that you're. Um, it sounds like updating now for for Australian schools. Um, sure. who, what kind of messaging are children receiving at schools at the moment about around genetic modification manipulation? Well, in the main, very optimistic about the um, prospects of using CRISPR to uh, make. Um, there's a whole area called synthetic biology which will take the building blocks of life and build new organisms that have never existed before uh, from scratch. So that's the kind of power, the apparent power of this new technology that needs to be discussed very seriously. Do we want to embrace this? On what basis? How is it going to be regulated? And how are we going to stop... um, other instant instances of it being used uh, for the creation of humans that, for instance, people imagine that they're going to be in, able to enhance humans to be more intelligent, more athletic, um, have different characteristics that that parents might see as um, as advantageous to their kids. These are the kinds of issues that need to be raised and discussed. And at the moment, uh, our um, industry, government agencies like CSIRO, um, Monsanto and Bayer, for instance, are putting out their stories that um, are leading young people to accept these new technologies and their living products uh, without sufficient regard for their social and ethical impacts uh, what kind of society do we really want what do we want uh, living organisms animals plants and microorganisms to be used for and how is the technology going to be used to make these uh, new industrial uses these are very big and weighty questions but they need also to come into the classroom in high schools and universities in particular and not just to accept the technology uncritically or to say you can use it for whatever you like, which is what our regulator is really saying by proposing to deregulate a lot of these new methods and processes. And all this information we can hope to find in the kit that's being developed at the moment. If people want to stay up to date on the emerging technology in the genetic modification field or if they want to find out more about the kit, uh, where should people head? Yes, well, um, we're doing the new uh, version of the Troubled Helix, um, if people would particularly like to chip in, they can go to Gene Ethics Facebook, Facebook page. So that's Gene, G-E-N-E, Ethics. Um, and uh, you can find out more about it there. And uh, also, if you'd like to support the kit, because it's early days, it's a work in progress, uh, where we're going to link up curriculum materials with 
uh, audio visuals available on the web, uh, please either go to GeneFX Facebook page or they can give us a, a ring, 5968-2996, to lend support to this new educational initiative. Thank you so much. I've been speaking to Bob Phelps from Gene Ethics. Uh, best of luck with your, your kit and when it comes out. Thank you very much, Will. Thanks. You are listening to Wednesday Breakfast. We'll be right back with another interview. Stay tuned. Are you 18 years and over? Have you been stopped by a Victorian police officer or protective service officer in the last 10 years? Would you like to contribute to research that aims to inform law reform and litigation strategies to prevent over-policing? Go to policestopsurvey.online for more information and to take part. That's policestopsurvey.online, a 3CR supporter. In 2016, 3CR published a book to celebrate the station's 40th birthday. Years in the making, Radical Radio, celebrating 40 years of 3CR, is a visually stunning account of the people and ideas that make up this dynamic station. At 300 pages, the book includes hundreds of images and over 50 features on programs, people, music and technology from across the decades. 3CR's Radical Radio book is now on sale for just $30. You can get your copy of 3CR's book at the station during business hours at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. Or online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Get a piece of your own history on sale for just $30. 3CR's Radical Radio is available now. So we're very clearly in a climate emergency at the moment. Um, this isn't climate change, it's not global warming, it's climate emergency, um, as has been framed by a couple of activist organisations around Melbourne that we've had in our show in the past. And uh, to protest inaction on the climate emergency, we've got Shannon from My Extremely Long Walk. Uh, are you from My Extremely Long Walk, Shannon? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's just me. But the banner, <laughs> the banner, the organisation yeah. name is My Extremely Long Walk mm. for Climate Action. It's very sophisticated looking branding. Oh, well, thank you very much. Very well done. Um, so, Shannon, can I ask you, what's your background in um, climate activism? Are you mm-hmm. are you a newcomer? Have you been inspired to act? Or is this something that you've been working on for a while? Uh, no, I'm a relative newcomer. I mean, I've always been... a believer in the climate emergency and the climate science, but uh, I haven't been as activated and as engaged as I now know I should have been. Um, but this year I made the, the news resolution to read and read and read and read and stop ignoring those pangs of terror I felt every time I would hear about the climate emergency. And as I did that, I realised that the need to act is incredibly urgent. So that's yeah. when I came up with the project. Wonderful. Now, um, that's also why you're here. Mm. Um, you bumped into 3CR at the Sydney Road Street Party when you were t- telling people about your um, extremely long walk, mm-hmm. your extremely long walk, your my extremely long my, walk. Mine, if you're talking about me. Yes. Your- <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, because that's the name of the, the project, I suppose I'll call it, that you're yeah. working on, which is a a walk from uh, Wurundjeri country here in um, Coburg North, mm-hmm. it'll be, all the way to the Ngunnawal lands in Canberra. So um, can I ask you, um, why why a long walk? What's the purpose of this walk? Well, I guess the 
my mum always says, like, if you don't like the way you're being treated or the service that you're getting, you should march right up to the counter and ask to speak to the manager. Um, so this felt like a very sort of a national way in which I could do that. And it's a very direct action. Um, it also feels like it's because I'm not a client climate scientist. I'm not an engineer. I can't help the climate emergency in those sort of ways. Um, it felt like something I could do that anyone could do. And I think sometimes because the climate science is so complicated and people are a bit confused about it, sometimes it can feel like climate change is an issue that's kind of reserved for the political classes to speak about and that it doesn't belong to everybody, but obviously it very much belongs to everybody. So I wanted to do something that, yeah, anyone could do and anyone could get behind and they could see myself, see themselves in me performing this climate action. Absolutely. And it's a very sort of evocative thing. We've had long walks mm. in the past of mm-hmm. people um, bringing petitions to, to government or sort of trying to raise public awareness. And this is sort of a combination of both where you want to raise awareness of the climate emergency amongst people who maybe haven't really um, taken time to think about the fact that our earth is boiling mm-hmm. um, or who have been distracted from that by, mm. by a mainstream media climate. Um, but you're also circulating a petition. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. So Can you tell us about the petition. Of course. Yeah. So the petitions calling for the declaration of a climate emergency at a federal level mm. Um, the drastic reduction of um, greenhouse gas emissions um, to net zero and net negative by 2030, um, the pursuit of 100% renewables, um, and a, a couple of other measures. Um, and yeah, that petition's been circulating for a while now. And as I move through Victoria and New South Wales and the ACT, I'll continue to gather more signatures. Um, yeah, and that's going to be delivered to the House of Representatives. Um, my local MP, uh, Peter Kill from the Labor Party, has agreed to table that. Um, whether he's still there by the time I arrive in Canberra, we don't know yet, but mm. um, I'm talking to others as well. So Yeah, because who knows when the election's going to be held. We don't, um, yeah. Yeah, it's very exciting times. I, I think um, I'll spruik this event by Extinction Rebellion later, where they're going to be holding a dec- Declaration Day yes, I know of it, event. Yeah. Um, we might, might talk about that later. But um, So can I ask, first of all, is that your uh, a petition that you've initiated, or is this something from another organisation that you're bringing around? Uh, no, it's something that I've initiated. Yeah. Um, and actually, I've, in speaking to different politicians and different um, green organisations and different people of note that I've tried to get behind the petition, um, it's been a common thread that people have told me that the uh, demands are very ambitious. And that's been sort of lobbed at me as a bit of a criticism, mm-hmm. but I haven't received it that way because I think ambition is what we need. And I think... Nations around the world, but particularly Australia, are under-delivering on their commitments to the climate emergency. And I think politicians and big green groups should be always trying to chase us citizens in terms of the ambition we feel is necessary to tackle the climate emergency. So I'm not embarrassed that the um, petition is ambitious and i don't think it's unrealistic for being ambitious Mm, absolutely um especially when we use language like climate emergency to Mm -hmm. be ambitious is to be reasonable exactly um so can i ask you where did the you you mentioned a lot of measures um including 100 percent renewable usage Mm -hmm. um where where did these uh measures come from how how did you do develop them as, as benchmarks for what you want to happen yeah 
Um, so the interna- Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change has said that we only have 12 years to um, beat back the worst of the climate emergency. Um, so the benchmark of 2030 comes from from that data. Um, and because our current government, their emissions reductions targets are, I think, 26 to 28%. Um, the Labor government's, the Labor Party's plans are for 45% reductions by 2030, um, we can see that there's just like a, a huge under-delivery and a, a low-balling of emissions reductions targets. So with that year of 2030 in mind, I wanted to say we need to have things very tightly ratcheted up by that time. Um, and also when we talk about um, emissions reductions targets, we're only ever talking about reducing the chance of locking in runaway climate change, right? Because scientists don't exactly know when these natural tipping points that exist within the climate are going to be activated. So we have things like uh, ice in the Arctic. Um, when that melts, there's um, methane under the surface that can be released. Um, and if we reach a certain point in in the warming of the globe, that's going to be released and released and released, and then warming will exponentially increase. And we don't know when those tipping points are coming. So when we talk about emissions reductions targets, we're just hedging our bets, basically. So we need to be very ambitious to give ourselves the best possible chance of averting catastrophe. Absolutely. Um, so I, I want to talk to um, talk to you about the actual walk itself. Mm-hmm. Um, when When are you heading off? On April 20th. April 20th, yeah. and you're taking a, a fairly direct route. It looks on, on the map yeah. from from Coburg to Canberra. Yeah, it's basically um, just a diagonal line. Just a straight line yeah. from one to the other, as, as straight as it can on it, on our highways. How, yes. how are you planning on walking? Have you done a walk, a long walk before? No, so I'm in training at the moment because hey. I have not done a walk this long before. Um, and I'm walking basically parallel to the Hume Highway most of the way. You can't walk on the Hume, High direct, Hume Highway directly, but there's a lot of older roads that are parallel that I'll be walking on. Um, yeah, and I'm just... It, I go up to about 40 k's in one day at one point, but it gets down to as low as 20 k's in a day, so mm-hmm. four to eight hours of walking every day. It should take about 25 days with rests, mm-hmm. and we will see how it goes. Yeah, um, and so you're heading, you, you said when you were heading off, um, can I ask, uh, what are the major stops on, on the road from Coburg to Canberra? Yeah, let's see if I can remember more. Well, <laughs> the first stop is Whittlesea, and then I go through Murrindindi Shire, so... Um, Flowerdale, um, Yay, Yark, then into Mansfield in Merton, then I'm going to Euroa, Benella, Violet Town, um, then where am I going? Aubrey, Wangaratta, Yakandanda, Chilton, um, then into Snowy Valleys Council Shire, which is um, Bauna, Wumagama, Wantagong, and Rosewood, then Batlow, Tumut, and then um, over the mountains, we'll be camping for a few days, and then Canberra. I think that's actually every stop. Beautiful. Wow. Okay. <laughs> well done. Um, and so you're at the moment, you're trying to raise funds. You're trying to find places to stay. Mm. Is that still ongoing? Yeah. So yeah. I'm not. I'm not raising funds. No. Okay. Um, but I am looking for places to stay. Most of them are 
uh, most of the towns I'm staying in now are actually locked in, which is really exciting. Awesome. Um, but the reason for no funds and no sponsorship and no things like that is mm. because I really want it to be about um, community resources and a statement about community's readiness to get behind climate action. Sure. And I think communities are very well resourced um, and very ready, I think, to to get behind strong action on climate change. So mm. I don't think I need much money. I think I just need, I think I need people. And mm. f- for the most part, people have been getting behind me, which is, mm. which is wonderful. Yeah. Can we talk about the community response? Are you hearing from the towns that you're going to be visiting mm-hmm. and from local government and from traditional owners? Like what, what kind of mm. conversations are you having with these people? Um, so in, it depends where we're talking. Sometimes I'm doing the reaching out and sometimes people are very enthusiastic in coming up to me. I've had some great offers from, from people who run B&Bs and hotels and stuff that they want to put me up free for a night, which is really lovely. Um, and yeah, councils have been really variable depending on where where you're going. I won't right. name names. Right. But, but, okay. Um, is there a commonality amongst the ones who are less responsive? responsive i think the ones that are less responsive are just non-responsive really so i think i'm really going to have to push with some of those right that's okay um and as for traditional owners i've not had many conversations yet but i really am hoping to i've mapped out um where all the different countries are across my walk and i really do want to hear from people and reach out to people because i am very aware that we have the oldest living culture in the world here and the oldest living culture that sustainably lived on the earth and we have such a deep bank of knowledge around how to properly steward this land specifically and we really need to draw on that and and respect the knowledge and and skills and history of our indigenous people beautiful well good luck on your walk thank Um, you very much it's still a little while while away about a month yeah five-ish weeks five weeks um if people want to find out more about my extremely long walk, mm-hmm. your extremely long walk, yes. um, where where can they head? Um, so everything's on the website www.myextremelylongwalk.com. Um, I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter mm-hmm. under that same name, my extremely long walk, um, and I'm constantly updating with ways that people can help and things that are still required to get the project happening. Um, still a few places that I need hosts. So if anyone knows any body in Bauna, Wumagama, Wontagong and Rosewood in New South Wales. Just get in contact. Um, and if you want to um, have a petition yourself, a physical paper petition that you can start getting inked, um, definitely go to the website and download that as well. That would be an amazing help. Absolutely. I've been speaking to Shannon from My Extremely Long Walk. Um, Shannon, best of luck with Thank your you preparation and um, we'll keep our eyes on your walk as, as you go. Thank have you. A, yeah, have a lovely day. You too. See Thanks. You. Global Intifada, bringing you current affairs through revolutionary and protest music from around the world. Every Thursday afternoon from 5 till 6 on 3CR. Because music is our bomb. CR are selling kefir Palestinian scarves in support of the last factory that produces them in Hebron, Palestine. 
all profits will be donated to the reconstruction efforts in Gaza and support Palestinian industry. These are traditional scarves available in red and black, or you can choose from a modern design. Go to 3cr.org.au slash shop to buy online or drop into the station during business hours. Tune in, dig deep and clean up by purchasing some fantastic discounted gardening books from 3CR's online garden store. We have books on water-wise gardening, organic vegetables, roses, climbers and creepers and even clematis. It's easy. Just go to our website, 3cr.org.au and follow the links on the front page. Don't have internet access? Call the station during business hours between 9 and 5 and we'll post out a catalogue in the mail. All proceeds help keep Melbourne's favourite gardening show on air for another year. Tune in 7.30am every Sunday morning. love our 3CR Radical Radio t-shirts and so do we. They're 100% cotton and Australian made and you can get one for just $30. They come in black, dark grey and a cool light grey. To nab one of these beauties, drop into the station at 21 Smith Street or order by phoning 94198377 or you can visit us online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Come on, you know you want one. Join me, Sally Goldner, the presenter of Out of the Pan, for a live broadcast on International Trans Day of Visibility at Hares and Hyenas on 31st of March 2019, organised by Transgender Victoria with 3CR. With co-host Mama Alto, we'll be moderating a live panel discussion about issues, experiences and intersections between and about trans people of colour. Get your tickets online at tdov2019.eventbrite.com.au That's tdov2019.eventbrite.com.au Or listen live to the discussion right here on 855am on digital and streaming online. And the time right now is just past 8 uh, o'clock. I was going to say it's just past 8.02, which is true, but you don't need that level of precision, folks, do you? Um, today we're going to get a top of 25 degrees. It's going to be mostly cloudy. Um, as I entered the studio this morning at about 6.30, it was a bit before 6.30, it was a little spittly outside. So, um, yeah, I'd maybe bring a tiny umbrella with you wherever you go, even though it's only supposed to be cloudy and not raining today. Um, because, you know, Birurunga, Nam. Melbourne, where we live, it's a bit, uh, it's a bit funny like that with the weather. It's almost like we're not supposed to be here. Anyway, um, so, uh, we're going to be hearing an update from the Jabwarung, um, tree protectors, uh, so heritage protectors camp, which is, uh, still ongoing actually. This is an update that was taken yesterday afternoon when, uh, police had visited, um, the Jabwarung camp and, um, 
In this update, Kerry Lee Harding spoke with Auntie Sandra Onis from the embassy, and uh, we should all listen in. Joining us right now on the line is Auntie Sandra Onis. Are you there, Auntie? Good morning. Yeah, that's me. Oh, hello. Thanks for joining us on 3CR this morning. What's the latest from the Japarong Embassy uh, camps up there at the moment, Arnie? Can you just um, give us yeah, an update, we're, eh? We're waiting. We, we've lodged a Section um, 9 to get uh, our trees protected. And we're also, if we don't get that, we, we possibly will get a Section 18. Section 18 will give us 48 hours protection, whereas a Section 9 is 60 days. Oh, so the so, Section 9 would be much better, eh? Much better. That's the one we've had before. And um, we're also, we have about, well, roughly around 100 people between three camps. That's great. Um, yeah, it's a good turn-up considering we only got notice of this happening basically late yesterday afternoon. Oh, that's and a good turnout, much- eh? It is a good turnout. People have come from all over the place, from Western Australia even, and um, mm. even Queensland. Um, there's people here from, as like myself, Portland and other places, Gippsland. Now, they're, they're quite significant cultural heritage sites up that way that Vic Roads uh, want to go through and do their work upon this land, what significance does it have to you, Mob, the local people, Auntie? You see, the, these trees we're talking about are what we call birthing trees, and some of them are work trees and then used to, for shelter and to sit in and work in, make tools. And uh, the, we've had them assessed by the only expert in Australia, Dr Heather Bill. Who anyone will listen to. They don't listen to people. I mean, we don't have white certificates or university degrees. In archaeology, eh? That's what they want, eh? On all that, and that's what they want. They just don't want to listen to us. Yeah. They've been carving up this country for 240 years, and they're still taking out the, the lungs of the earth. These trees are not just important to us. Trees are important to everybody. They literally are the lungs of the earth. And, you know, it's just outrageous what government is allowed to do to Aboriginal people. This is, as I said, been going on for far too long, and it has to stop. We've actually shown them a better way, but they're not listening. As I said, we're not, they don't perceive us as the experts of our own culture. And that's heartbreaking Um, to hear that you're not considered an expert in your own very own cultural heritage that what we've had for more than 60,000 years or since since the beginning, eh? Yep, 60,000 years our culture has been here for and um, we're just sick of it because they're forever taking, destroying our cultural heritage they just Aboriginal people. They're still killing us in custody. We're not worth two bob to the government. Mm. They would rather see Aboriginal people dead than see us living today and having the cheek to complain, the cheek to stand up in front of bulldozers and all the rest of it. How dare we? Well, I say to you, Australian government, mm. how dare you? How dare you destroy our cultural heritage? How dare you have the very murderers of Aboriginal people 
standing here today to represent you, to represent white Australia. I understand. Yeah, there's about 30 police there who were bus loaded in this morning, yeah, eh? About 7.30? Yeah, there's probably 150 in town. Right. You know, they're just waiting with riot gear to march on us all and give us all, a, probably lock us all up and give us a, a, a hiding. Hey, ouch. Hey, look out. You know, um, people mm. could possibly die in custody here through this campaign. Yeah, that's it's really you know, heartbreaking here, to hear. Older. Yeah. I'm an elder. I've had two strokes and a heart attack. Yeah. I'm here and I call on everybody who cares about the trees, who cares about our cultural heritage to join us and to get themselves down here. If you're not working and you've got time, yeah. you get down here and join us. Yeah. Or don't ever complain to me yeah. about what the police do to you or what the governments are doing to your cultural heritage because we are continually addressing this, and this has been going on for, like I said, 240 years at least in this country, and we're sick of it. Yeah. We're sick of this mass destruction. It has to stop. I hear what you're saying, Auntie. Thanks so much for the update today. Is there anything else that you'd like to leave us with before we let you go today, no, Auntie Sandra? I think, I think I've said enough. Yeah, you've done really well. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're busy there at the moment. Um but we'll, we'll ask, uh, we'll, we'll put a call out on the radio for people to come and join you as well. Yeah. Thank you. You do that. Thank All right. You. Take care, Annie yeah. Sandra. Look after yes. yourself and your health, eh? Yes, I will. And bless All right. you. Yeah, bless you too. Thank you so much. Annie Sandra Onus on the line this morning and uh, coming to us live from the Japarung Embassy, which is located up on the Western Highway just near Ararat. If you'd like to go up there, uh, please do and go up and show your solidarity and your support um, for these trees which Vic Rhodes are wanting to uh create uh, roads, roadways along that pathway and there are a number of uh, significant cultural heritage sites in the way and uh, a number of police, as we just heard there, 30 police uh, were bus loaded in this morning. We've heard reports of, we just heard reports there from Arnie Sandra Onus of more police uh, wearing riot gear who are in town at the moment. So uh, good on you, Arnie Sandra Onus. Thank you so much for taking the time. Also thanks to our 3CR presenter, Abyss, who joined us from Middle Camp a bit earlier on on the program here today. You're tuned into Curry Survival Show. Black Betty here with you. And um, quite an appropriate song coming up next for you on 3CR Radical Radio from Delene Briscoe, who's from far north Queensland. The name of this song is called Tree. You are listening to Wednesday Breakfast on 3CR Community Radio. That was Tree by Delene Briscoe. And earlier we heard uh, a recording of the latest update that we have on the Jaburung Embassy um, down uh, near Ararat. Uh, that was Black Betty from, uh, uh, sorry, Black Betty from Black Noise Radio, um, who was interviewing Auntie Sandra Onus. Um, yeah, we were trying to get in contact with them this morning, but, um, that was the latest update we were able to get to you. 
Definitely listen in to Fire First at 11am today for more updates. And uh, there's also a call out for people to go and join the blockade. Um, if you're able to go and volunteer, they need bodies on the ground. Uh, Top Camp is opposite Warriatkin Road on the Western Highway, which is two hours drive from Melbourne, but 10 kilometres out of Ararat. Um, so the, the blockade's been going for ages and ages, and so you can imagine that they need fresh people to head down to, to go and lend their support. To repeat, it's down on Warriatkin Road, so that's W-A-R-R-A-Y-A-T-K-I-N Road, and that's off the Western Highway, um, which is just outside of, um, located just outside of Ararat. Uh, if you want to contact uh, the bodies involved in the destruction of the trees down um, on Jabwarang country, um, the number for Vic Roads is 131171. Alternatively, you can call 131170. Um, w- the number has also been given out for major roads um, who you can contact about this if you want to protest the removal of sacred trees. Um, and the number is 1-800-105-105. Otherwise, the planning minister, the Victorian planning minister, Richard Wynne, um, has an office at 232 Brunswick Street in Fitzroy. So if you're Fitzroy local, go down and register your um, register your protest if um, if that's something that you want to do. Also, you can contact Daniel Andrews' office at 9651-5000. That's 9651-5000. Um, like I said, if you want updates on what's happening down at the Tree Protectors Camp, um, it's it's a move by Vic Roads to uh, double the, the the highway down that area, um, which will cost an additional 65 million over a previous route that didn't chop down these sacred trees. And it only saves you about three minutes off the Bangor to Ararat route. So it really is worth asking questions about, um, why Vic Rhodes has decided to take this route. Um, they've said that they've, um, committed to protecting some of the sacred trees, but about more than 200 of the trees that are in that area of the 3,000 that are supposed to be chopped down for this highway extension and duplication um, have been, more than 200 have been um, assigned as uh, culturally significant to the Jabwarung people. So, yeah, it's um, there, there, were, there were faster, uh, safer routes. Why why do this is uh, a question that we should all be asking. Um, you're listening to Wednesday Breakfast. The time right now is 8.17, um, we're coming up to the end of the show, but before we do, I think it'd be worth to um, uh, to return to yesterday's Muslim Solidarity Rally. Um, we heard from someone who's been a, uh, a regular, not a regular guest, but who has been a guest on Tuesday Breakfast. This is Ruj Ahmedi, who's a member of Colour Code, um, which is a First Nations and person of colour um, organisation to push forward um, progress- progressive values and uh, anti-racist um, conversation around Australian politics. And so um, is a very, Rouge Amedi is a very valuable voice to be heard. So let's see what um, they had to say. Thank you so much for coming out here. My name is Rouge Amedi. I'm a racial justice campaigner, but I'm also a former refugee from Iraq. Feeling the compounding effects 
of racism in this country. Before I start, I want to acknowledge the Wurundjeri peoples of the Kulin Nation, the traditional owners of this land. And I want to acknowledge, just like Luke Hilakari did, that there was a frontline resistance to protect sacred Japurong birthing trees right now, right here today. And that is a constant fight that has been happening for over 230 years, but in particular the last nine months. And I want to acknowledge the warriors of the Aboriginal resistance for leading the way in that resistance. I also want to acknowledge that today was the first initial hearing for Yorta Yorta woman Tanya Day, who was a black woman who fell asleep on the train and the consequences for her was death in custody of the police. And I want to hold space... I want to hold space for her family and her community that are rising up against a deeply violent and political context and fighting for justice for her, but as well as other First Nations people that continue to die in the hands of our institutions. The last few days has been emblematic of what people of colour and First Nations people continue to experience in this country. When things happen to us, whether violent or benign or secretive or coded, we never have space to talk about it. And we never have space to lead our own movements. And that is why I'm here today. But I also want to acknowledge that in that space, we need to acknowledge that many members of the Muslim community are going through a period of mourning and cannot be here today. And we need to acknowledge that they are taking care of their communities and continuing to resist the ongoing Islamophobia that they face every day. I'm not here to preach to the choir. We have seen how vitriolic, jingoist, and harmful division has been spread through words and acts in our media and politics. But what we're experiencing in words is no accident. Over 20 years ago, with the rise of John Howard as our Prime Minister in 1996, the same year that I came to Australia, we saw a concerted effort to deny people of colour and First Nations people equal rights and to go back thousands and thousands of steps. The first thing they did was to distract us to see the refugees and people seeking safety as the initial enemy. And while they did that, they reduced and removed equal rights for other people that were trying to build their lives in this country, whether they were migrants from all around the world or First Nations people. What they do is they claim a, you know, a clear enemy, and then they slowly deny the structural access to many forms of legal equalities. That includes welfare, that includes denying over 1.2 million people in this country who are on temporary visas that are denied their legal rights and no avenues for permanent settlement. And those people are open to, open to harm by corporations and, and prop up three major industries in this country. So our issue when we're fighting against racism is not just words, but also the structural things that affect working class people that give us the benefits for people who are permanent, permanent residents in this country. And we need to start thinking about that. Who is being silenced and who is being denied access to our movements? I also want to identify that white supremacy is not along just racial lines. It is anti-working class, it's anti-disability, it's anti-trans, anti-intersex. 
They have many, many enemies. And there are silent, concerted efforts to confirm and approve all of these different ideologies. But it is happening silently, so we must remain vigilant and understand our movements need to reach across these various communities and center these communities. We need to identify when extremists who are given the protection of parliamentary positions like Senator Fraser Anning are used as shields by mainstream politicians. While they declare things that are obtuse, other mainstream politicians, as we have seen in previous, uh, previous statements made by other speakers, get to dog whistle. But with that dog whistle means that they're structurally denying people who should have equal rights in this country. And we need to be aware of those distraction methods. I also ask of you in our progressive movements to not only refute the opposition, but say and articulate what we believe in. Step into the fore. What are we fighting for? What is our vision? Do not be afraid to articulate it. Because when we constantly refute, when we're constantly on the back foot, we deny other people access to our ideas, our ways that we're going to progress forward. We deny ourselves a vision beyond the constraints that we experience today. I want to acknowledge that I work for Color Code. Thousands of people around the country who are people of color and First Nations people have come together to fight for racial justice and confront the structural consequences of racism. But I'm part of an ecosystem, our ecosystem, and we should never forget that. We need to reach across. We need to understand that it makes many, it takes many, many hands, many movements, many theories of change, and we need to move forward together. Thank you. And that was Ruj Ahmedi speaking uh, yesterday afternoon at the Muslim Solidarity Rally held by CAF. Um, it was organised by CAF, but many sectors of the society, including unionists, turned up to that. Um, and I just want to mention the next Campaign Against Racism and Fascism organising meeting. Uh, they were handing out these flyers yesterday very helpfully, and um, they're holding an anti-fascist activism meet, uh, meeting after Christchurch. Uh, open organizing, which is an open organizing meeting for the campaign against Fraser Anning and the Australian far right. Uh, that'll be happening at, on Tuesday, March the 26th at 6 p.m. So that's the 26th of March at 6 p.m. at Trades Hall in Carlton. Um, and so really just reflecting on the rise in, um, white supremacy advocated by our political leaders and our mainstream media leaders thought it might be good to remind us of all of the senators who voted on the it's okay to be white uh motion that part of did it pass no it didn't pass no no but they uh but they saw fit to to sign their names to what is essentially a white supremacist slogan that found currency on websites like 4chan and other um other social media spaces that have been co-opted by far right-wing rights, white supremacists. We've got um, Nigel Scullion, who shockingly was the, at the time the Indigenous Minister, uh, Indigenous Affairs Minister of the NT Country Liberal Party. You also had Zed Cecilia from the Liberal Party, Erica Betts, um, David Bushby, Richard Colbeck, 
and Jonathan uh, Dunningham um, of the Liberal Party. Um, then, of course, we have the notorious Fraser Anning of the Cat- uh, at the time of the Cata Party, Matt Canavan of the National Party, Pauline Hanson of One Nation, James McGrath, Barry O'Sullivan, and Jane Stoker, all of the Liberal Party or the National Party, um, all of Queensland. Um, and then in South Australia, you've got Cor- Corey Bernardi of the Australian Conservatives, um, and then Simon Birmingham, Lu- Lucy Gachui, and Anne Rustin of the Liberal Party. Um, in Western Australia, Slade Brockman, Michaelia Cash, West, uh, both of the uh, Linda Reynolds and Dean Smith of the Liberal Party, and then Peter Giorgio of One Nation. Uh, in New South Wales, Conchetta Fieravanti Wells, uh, Jim Molan, and uh, John Williams of the Coalition, and then you've got Dave and Lionhelm of Liberal Democrats. And then um, closer to home in Victoria, Mitch Firefield, Jane Hume, and Bridget McKenzie, all of the Coalition. So um, I know it's a lot of names, but if you see any of these names on your ballot, consider what you would be voting for if you were to vote for them and um, what kind of voices these people have in our society. Um, yeah, I, just to reiterate, Campaign Against Racism and Fascism is having a meeting on March the 26th, 6pm, Trades Hall in Carlton. Now, the time is 8.28. We're rapidly coming up to the end of the show. Um, I hope you've not been too tired of just one voice uh, all show, just hearing me yammer on. But we've had some really great guests on the show today. Um, just earlier, we were speaking to Shannon, um, who is the um, the person who's going to be t- taking an extremely long walk. Um, you can find him on his website, www.myextremelylongwalk.com. Um, and he's also on social media by that same tag, My Extremely Long Walk, um, which is a very apt thing to call call your campaign. So that's um, I, I commend Shannon and his very good branding there. Um, and then uh, earlier in the show, we also spoke to Bob Phelps from Gene Ethics, who is developing a GM-free school material kit, um, which we'll be very interested to see as it's developed. Um, uh, yeah, uh, you've been listening to Wednesday Breakfast. I hope you've had a lovely morning. Just a reminder, it was kind of wet when I left the house earlier this morning, so be prepared for anything. Um you're listening to Wednesday Breakfast. I hope you have a wonderful day, folks. Uh, stay tuned. Next up is uh, Stick Together. Have a great day, folks. 3CR relies on the support of ethical organisations to keep our vital community of voices on air. And we'd like to thank our breakfast supporters, the new international bookshop, Nibs, at Trades Hall, and eco-friendly paper and printing outfit, Earth Greetings. You can check them out at nibs.org.au and earthgreetings.com.au. And if you'd like more information on how your organisation can become a 3CR supporter, contact the station on 03 9419 You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.